genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. I, I mean, Rivendell is full of those pauses. It's fine. <laughs> I should have done that at the, the opening of this week. Um, Just waited one. Oh, I am sorry, Frodo. Um, today, <laughs> we'll be talking about Minute 90, which starts with uh frodo saying the line i thought you wanted to see the elves sam and ends with gandalf saying it is a burden he should never have had to bear yes what a what a nice line to end a minute on indeed good every now and then there's like a like a perfect week ending line it makes me makes me smile <laughs> doing this to know like there's there's a few like little perfect moments there's quite a few there is quite a few i mean when you have 250 of them Right. <laughs> Throwing darts every now and then you get a bullseye. So. <laughs> this scene, I think, with Sam and Frodo is really structurally important. Mm -hmm. And they talk about it on the commentary some. Because before Frodo really takes the plunge and crosses his own threshold for the hero's journey at the Council of Elrond and all that. Right. He makes the decision that it's time for him to go home. Well, and I also like that they set that up with the reintroduction of Bilbo, because we talked about it a few minutes ago, how Bilbo kind of slows the whole momentum train down. But yeah. it's important going, at least setting up this scene and the motivation of Frodo and how big of a deal it is for him yeah. to really step up and be like, okay, well, maybe I do need to do this. Um and I like how they set it up with the map of the Shire and that sweet little conversation that we didn't really touch on a couple minutes ago with with, with Bilbo. Yeah, which uh, they talk about writing that scene was very easy. Like it, it pretty much didn't go through any rewrites between right. the the conversation that Bilbo and Frodo have. Some things come easy, and that was one of them. In right. part because Ian and Elijah work so good together. And oh. I wish there was more. I know of Bilbo and Frodo. Um, I, because I, I mean, I think I'm more of a, like a wanderlusty person, but I do understand this ache for home, Yeah, you know, and Frodo, Frodo's been through a lot. And yes. even though Bilbo. He nearly died. Right. Even though Bilbo at the start of the movie kind of drunkenly confesses to Frodo that he does see himself in him. Um, and that's why he chose him as an heir. I think Frodo doesn't really agree with that, or at least he doesn't see that aspect of himself the way that Bilbo does. Yeah. Uh, and I think that really comes through in the line, um, but my adventure turned out to be quite different. Right. And I think that that conversation, even though, it did just happen a few minutes ago, and it's kind of like, you know, setting something up and then knocking it down right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's very, it adds another layer and more nuance to this conversation between 
Frodo and Sam because Sam is kind of in a similar boat. He's only here because... Gandalf made him. Well, yeah, Gandalf made him, but also he feels responsible for Frodo's well-being as well. Yeah. Um, not just as a gardener, but as a friend. Yeah. And I think that he also senses that in Frodo. Because he suggests, you know, maybe it's time for us to go. Right. And that's really telling... This scene does a really good job of doing this. That's really... That's really telling to something that the movie doesn't really do a great job of really hammering home. But there's a couple of lines that remind us that it's true about Sam's character, that he is like the biggest elf fanboy ever. He loves elves. Mm -hmm. And I really don't think that the movie does a great job of really hammering that home. Right. So they have to remind us in dialogue every so often. Like, I thought you wanted to see the the elves, Sam, more than anything. More than anything. But more than he wants to see the elves, he wants to make sure that Frodo is okay. Right. And I think that that's really important to Sam's character. Well, I mean, he's because a... it, it makes um, because Sam wants to sacrifice something that he really wants to make sure that Frodo is okay. Yeah, and I think that setting that up makes Frodo's own sacrifice feel more important at the Council of Elrond because it's backed up by Sam's sacrifice. Yeah, because it's kind of backed up because there, there's there's more invested in what Frodo chooses to do than just Frodo. Right. And I think that's, I also want to talk about the, um, the My Adventure turned out to be quite different line. I know we should have talked about this a couple of days ago, but we <laughs> forgot. Uh, cause now my brain is thinking about it and you, you kind of put me on this train of thought. Because metatextually, that's an interesting critique of the differences between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Well, The Hobbit is. Because it's more of a children's story. Bilbo is never never presented to be in the same kind of danger that Frodo is. Right. The Hobbit is a fairy tale, and The Lord of the Rings is a meditation on the horrors of war. Right. <laughs> so, And I think that that line, like, really is an interesting metatextual, like, look at it, if you pull it out and, like, think about it as, like, on a meta level. Right. And I think that that's kind of, I don't know, I think that's cool. Whenever you can do that directly with lines from a work, I think that that's a really interesting thing to think about. And that's not to say that fairy tales don't have their place. Well, no, they absolutely do. The Hobbit's a wonderful story. And without without the way that The Hobbit is put together and like the nature of The Hobbit itself, mm-hmm. I don't think Lord of the Rings would have ever been as popular as it is. Because you needed that to dig into how overwhelming this work is. Right. You needed that, that entry-level story. Yeah. To get here. Well, the hob- the thing about The Hobbit, too, is it's much more accessible. Yeah. Oh, that's what I mean by entry level. You need yeah. that to get here. Right. Because I can't imagine trying to read Lord of the Rings as a standalone thing, as a, like a standalone fantasy novel, without having first read The Hobbit, because it introduces you to so many concepts in a much gentler way. Right. Before you read Lord of the Rings. Well, it's like the difference between like a 101 class in college and like a 401 seminar. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) It really is. Because you get these broad concepts like, oh, yeah, magic rings and short people and goblins and wizards and magic. And then you have like this crushing history of the ring, all of these people all of everything you this know? is this is anthro 101 
And <laughs> this is the history of like some really specific obscure tribe in the middle of right. like Southeast Asia somewhere. <laughs> and we're going to talk about nothing but them right. for weeks and weeks and weeks. Right. And they're connected to all this other stuff. And there's so much more going on here, but we're focusing on this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's the, that's the difference here. Yeah. It's like, so the, I just wanted to like pull that line out and talk about it real quick, because I think it is a really important notion to wrap your head around when you're talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That when he says my adventure turned out to be quite different, it's that line alone is a really telling like character study. Mm -hmm. quote unquote of Frodo because he grew up listening to these stories from from Bilbo right. about fighting orcs and hanging out with dwarves and finding all this gold and the trolls and all well, of that. Well, I mean, I think and he um, imagined that it would be like glorious and fun right. and it really really hasn't been. I mean, if you want to go against the wishes of Professor Tolkien and kind of draw an allegory about World War 1 from this. Yeah. Frodo's disillusionment yeah. with his, like, journey so far can kind of also, you can also relate it to how a lot of people going into World War One in particular viewed war as this glorious thing. Right. And now it's just like, you know, mustard gas in the trenches, all kinds of horrible. Yeah. Um, so... His, you know, Tolkien's going to haunt me at some point. Yeah. I'm all about that symbolism, guys. <laughs> yeah. Right. Your English major, your literary analysis. No, hat. I know. But I mean, we're talking about metatextual source material stuff. So The Hobbit as. Well, yeah. The context of when anything was written is so important to the work. Right. The Hobbit as a glorious fairy tale versus Lord of the Rings post-war. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's all this Sorry. stuff you got to think about. <laughs> we probably should have talked about that yesterday. We, yeah, you know, we should have. It's fine. It's okay. We got there. We got there. A lot of my notes for this minute are stuff that bleeds into the next minute anyway, so it's okay to go back and talk about some of this stuff. Okay. Um, one of the big things also about this scene is that this is, like I talked about a little bit ago, uh, a, a couple of days ago, I think. Every couple of minutes, they reintroduce the ring and they reintroduce like the dramatic. Right, tension. he literally pulls. He literally it out pulls the ring out. Yeah, it's just like we need to see the ring every so often to like remind the audience that it's here. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is also one of the few times you see the ring that you don't hear the ring's theme because you're hearing the Shire theme. Yeah, because they're talking about going home. Right. I love their conversation. I love the little nuances in Sean Astin's performance. It's so cute. <laughs> Sam is adorable. Well, he's also, um, he, I think he does a good job of being subservient, yeah. um, and respectful, I think is the word, but also like he wants to go home, but he is letting Frodo decide, like he's leaving it up to Frodo. Like, well, you know, since I figured blah, there's all this really passive language. Yeah. And it's funny. Don't you think we should do this? Right. And Sam never really outright says anything. Right. But also, like, the way Frodo responds, he's like, I know you want to go home, Sam. Yeah. Basically. Which I think is interesting, considering how we talked about how Sam 
is a more active character. Yeah. But as of right now... Right here, he's being very passive. And Frodo almost seems to be trying to convince Sam to come out and say, no, Frodo, I want to go home. Right. Uh, but Sam ultimately convinces Frodo to like admit to himself that he really wants to go home, that right. this deed is done. Mm-hmm. Because all they were asked to do by Gandalf was get the ring to Rivendell. Well, really, all they were asked to do was meet up with Gandalf. Yeah, really. That It's true. Really, all they were asked to do was meet up with Gandalf. And now they're done. They, they found him. They met up with yeah. him. He was delayed. <laughs> and now he's fine. <laughs> now uh, the gang's back together and it's time for everybody to go home. I think the tail end of this minute, the conversation that starts with Gandalf and Elrond, you can see... Elrond, like the chess master. Yeah. Very early on. Because I believe what he's basically about to say at the beginning of the next minute is the ring cannot stay here, Gandalf. Right. So Elrond is already two steps ahead and Gandalf knows he's already two steps ahead. But Gandalf is also trying to put the brakes on this train. Like, hold up. You know, he's he's just a hobbit. We can't ask any more of him. It's already, you know, it is a burden he should never have had to bear. Right. And you can see... In Hugo Weaving's performance and the way he delivers the line, he showed a, an extraordinary resilience to its evil. Evil, yeah. It's just like, maybe he can keep holding on to it. Right. He, he You can see the gears Can working. the hobbits pass it around and carry it? <laughs> it's like a hot potato. <laughs> I mean, Sam does carry it for a little bit. Right. And I mean, Bilbo's had it for all these years. Yeah. And But the reason that Bilbo's been able to hold on to it for so long without it pushing on him is because Sauron hasn't known where it was. Right. The ring has been sleeping too. Yeah. The ring is much as a more of an active force. Well, yeah. Now that Sauron is just like, I know it's out there. I know it's still here. Mm-hmm. Got to find it. Yeah. I found this little twisted creature and he told me where it was. <laughs> he's got his like, where's Waldo book out. And he's like using a magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> this is a giant eye with a little Sherlock hat and a magnifying glass. <laughs> Where, oh, where could it be? That's adorable. She's like a little floating magnifying glass. Yeah. That's like so a funny. little white glove holding a magnifying <laughs> glass. I like schemey Elrond. Schemey Because you see Well, him, you go even so good at being schemey. Right. And you see him as this benevolent lord. Which I don't know. Is. After Elrond Horror Picture Show, I don't know if that's true. Well, <laughs> he is. I know. You know, he didn't have to save Frodo. No, he didn't. Um, you know. I think that would have soured his whole relationship with Gandalf if he hadn't. And Bilbo. And Arwen. Yes. <laughs> Arwen's like, I risked so much getting this this thing here, and you just let him die? <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks, Dad. Slam. <laughs> uh, Liv Tyler also mentions in the commentary that through some of this Rivendell stuff, when Frodo is kind of looking off on the balcony... Mm-hmm. that they had originally filmed a small little meetup scene with Arwen and Aragorn. Not like the one we're going to get next week. Yeah. Or in two weeks, actually. Uh, but like a small little scene where like they meet up, they exchange a few words that you can't really hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like a little sweet moment and then go their separate ways. Like Frodo was supposed to like see them doing that. Mm-hmm. as l- And Arwen looks up at him and like smiles and Winks. waves at him. <laughs> like smiles and waves at him or nods towards him or something as like, is continue like helping reestablish that there's a connection between Frodo and Arwen as well, mm-hmm. because Arwen falls out of the story after Rivendell, yeah, for a while, yeah, for like the rest of the movie. 
Yeah. And she, she doesn't come back into the story until uh, Two, Two towers, towers, I think. Yeah. Maybe even Return of the King. I'm not sure how much she's in Two Towers. Doesn't she have Mentioned that weird least. fever dream? Yes. She's in all three movies. Yeah. But little, very, little very... Bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Because we... Because in the second movie, our 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 lady is Eowyn. Right. So, and their names are very similar too. Right. I Tolkien think that's intentional. Wrote a lot of similar names. I think that's intentional. Um, because but we'll get to it. <laughs> yes. I, in a way, I think it was. I think it was somewhat intentional as well. Uh, because they're also very similar characters, but they're kind of on. I know. They're kind of on two ends of a spectrum. We will talk about Eowyn at length. Yes, because you love Eowyn, and I love Eowyn. I actually... No, you don't love Eowyn. I like Eowyn. You like Eowyn. I don't love I am Eowyn. No Zoe loves Eowyn. Yes. <laughs> As Eowyn. we talked about last yes. week. <laughs> Two Towers is like all my favorite characters in this story. <laughs> we'll get there. Except for Sam. Because Sam. Well, yeah. 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 No, this is some prime Sam. This is some prime Sam. Oh, um... One other thing, I talk about how um, this scene is important for making Frodo's sacrifice seem more important because now that he's actively made the choice to go home, mm-hmm. now he's going to undo his own decision. Right. So that mean that means that his his sacrifice means more because he's already kind of dedicated himself to going home now. Yeah. And now we're going to see him be like, "Well, I can't." Right. Yeah. We talked so, about that. Yeah. But I don't know. I repeat myself a lot. I guess that's okay. <laughs> There's a lot. I'm done now. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> Frodo like, throws the ring. I'm done now. <laughs> Just drops it on the pedestal. Mic drop. Walk away. <laughs> I brought it here. Thump. What a uh, different story we'd have. Right. It's like John Cena music. He just walks away. <laughs> so... We're from the website duelinggenre.com, and you can check out a plethora of other movies by minute, uh, minute by minute podcasts. A cornucopia, if you will. Yes. At moviesbyminutes.com. There's literally a new one each week. There's, I think there's like 40 right now. I There's like more in the works. I can't keep track of them all. There's a lot. But it's good stuff. So check yes. them out. Um, and more starting soon. Soon. <laughs> and special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Leaper182. Have a good weekend, and we will talk to you guys on Monday. Bye. Bye. Bye.